All rise. Welcome to the Motorsports Ministry for all the latest hot takes and gossip around the racing industry, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, and more. All right, congregation, take your seats. Here's the man, the myth, the legend, the Motorsports Minister, Armani DePaul. What's going on, congregation? It's the Motor Minister, Armani DePaul. Welcome to another episode of the Motorsports Ministry, the home for all the latest hot takes in the racing world. Today is going to be kind of a fun episode, if you will. Not going to really be going deep into anything specifically. Not a lot of big topics, though. Yes, it was announced yesterday that Chase Elliott is coming back from, you know, Breaking his leg before the Las Vegas race. He's been out for the past couple months. He will be making his return at Martinsville Speedway. I'll give my quick thoughts on it. Maybe I'll go deeper later on, but just my quick thoughts just to talk about it. I'm surprised. I'm surprised not because you know this is around the time window. Six weeks is when they said Chase would be back. But look, these next two weeks are a gauntlet, you know, for driver safety-wise. You got Martinsville Speedway, which is really heavy on using your left leg, the leg that Chase Elliott broke, mind you. And then you got Talladega Super Speedway, which is a plate race, pack racing. That's always going to be a big danger. So I thought that they'd at least keep Elliott to the side until Dover. Though the more you think about it, Chase is 34th in the points. He's probably not going to point his way into the playoffs. So Hendrick is probably thinking we need to give our driver the most amount of chances to win in the regular season to lock him in as soon as possible. So that's my opinion as to why they're putting Chase in now and not waiting. Chase says he's ready to go. He wouldn't be racing in Martinsville if he didn't think otherwise. Though Josh Berry will be on standby if Chase is unable to complete all 500, or excuse me, all 400 laps. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a driver swap. Again, Martinsville very heavy on the brakes, so Chase is really going to be utilizing that leg. I guess this would be a good test to see how far that leg has gone, but those are just my quick thoughts on Chase Elliott making his quick return back to the driver's seat in the NASCAR Cup Series. All right, let's get into the meat and potatoes. So NASCAR has been unveiling their top 75 drivers. If you guys don't know, back in 1998 for NASCAR's 50th anniversary, they unveiled their top 50 drivers all time. So now, with this year being NASCAR's 75th anniversary, they are adding 25 more names to the list. They're keeping the same 50. They're just adding an extra 25. And look, they've already unveiled some. They already unveiled Tony Stewart, Mike Stefanik, Randy LaJoy, and Casey Kane to the list. And you got to imagine some are going to be guarantees on the 25. Think of Jimmy Johnson, Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Larson. They're probably going to be guaranteed on that list. And like I mentioned, some already announced. Tony Stewart, Mike Stefanik, Casey Kane, and Randy LaJoy at the time of recording have already been announced. But I thought of something interesting. What about the borderline drivers? I'm talking the drivers who, if you were to rank them, would probably be around 70 to 75. 
in my opinion, that's the most intriguing because there's so much debate in that section. You know, that's 70, that's 60 to 75 and beyond range. There's so many drivers I think that you can put in the 75 that in the top 75 that you might not even think of that aren't truly locks. And the ones that aren't 100% locks, in my opinion, are the most intriguing. Because, listen, we've seen it already with some of the drivers announced. NASCAR is more than just the Cup Series. Even though the Cup Series does make up probably 70 to 80% of how we view a driver, it's a lot more than just the top level. You got the Xfinity Series, the Truck Series. You go even beyond. You go to ARCA. You go to the Modifieds. There's, I mean, Mike Stefanik is a Modified driver, and he made the top 75. So there's a lot more than the Cup Series, and that's what makes this discussion even more interesting. So keep that in mind. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to give you guys my top 10, or excuse me, my top 5 borderline 75 drivers. These are the drivers that would probably be anywhere from that 70 to 85 range. They would probably slot themselves somewhere in that. And I am taking a lot into account. You might see some obvious names on the list. You might see some surprise names on this list. Drivers that you think should be shoe wins for the top 75. Some drivers you wouldn't even consider in the top 75. But we're going to discuss all of them right here, right now. So without any further ado, let's begin. Okay. Number one on my list, and I will preface this is in no order. I'm going to give it to a surprise. Austin Dillon. Now, for those of you who might be thinking I'm on drugs for thinking that Austin Dillon should deserve a slot in the top 75, hear me out. Two-time NASCAR champion. Won the 2011 Truck Series Championship and won the 2013 Xfinity Series Championship. He's got more championships than Carl Edwards, I could tell you that. And Carl Edwards, we would probably consider a shoe win. 20 National Series wins. Four in Cup and counting. We're really counting for all of these. Four in the Cup Series, nine in Xfinity, and seven in the Truck Series. 20 wins. That's a good amount of visits to victory lane, I should say. He's a Coca-Cola 600 winner, and he's also a Daytona 500 champion. So, he has the marquee events. He's won two out of the three Crown Jewel events. He's just missing the Southern 500, and he's got the Triple Crown. And... Depending on how much of a factor you put in playoff success, he's made the playoffs in five out of his 10 seasons. Those seasons being including three straight from 2016 to 2018. And he made the playoffs in 2020 and 2022. And say what you want on how he made the playoffs, whether he was 24th at points and he won the final race of the season, whether he was consistently there. I mean, listen, Austin Dillon managed to win a race last year and Martin Truex couldn't. I still think that's pretty impressive if you ask me. He's got more playoff he's got more playoff appearances than Alex Bowman. And Bowman has three more cup wins in him. And they started around the same time. That's all I'm gonna say. And in my opinion, Austin Dillon is criminally underrated. I mean, he made the playoffs over his teammate Tyler Reddick in 2020. And we consider Tyler Reddick one of the top tier drivers in the garage. So Austin Dillon, a criminally underrated driver. Again, two-time champ, 20 national wins and counting. He's won two out of the three crown jewels there is to win in this sport, and he's made the playoffs in five out of his 10 full-time seasons. Really five out of his nine full-time seasons because he's going through his 10th right now. So made the playoffs in the majority of his seasons, over 20 wins, two-time champ, Austin Dillon, 
four wins, though, in the Cup Series is pretty small. Truck and Xfinity titles, they don't carry that much weight compared to a Cup title. So that's why he's not a shoe-in. And again, depending on how much success you put as making the playoffs, there's a bunch of discussion going on. But in my opinion, Austin Dillon deserves a spot, at least in consideration for the top 75. Where would I put him? Probably 74th or 75th, not much higher than at least 70, at least 70th. But Austin Dillon, a criminally underrated driver. He's the first driver I have on my list. Number two on my list, I'm going to give it to Matt Crafton. The three-time Truck Series champion. Won it back in 2013 and 2014, so back-to-back championships. And won it in 2019. Might I add, Matt Crafton did not win a race in 2019, but he still won the championship. Same thing with Austin Dillon in 2013 when he won his Xfinity Series title. 15 wins in the Truck Series. Pretty good amount of wins. Only Ron Hornaday has more championships than Matt Crafton at four Truck Series titles. So, you'd think, three-time truck champ, 15 wins. You'd think that would be a shoe-in, shouldn't it? Not necessarily. As strange as it might sound to say for a three-time champ, Crafton doesn't win enough. It's not like Matt Crafton is a 25-26 driver, 26-year-old driver just tearing up the scene. He's 46 years old. He's racing 20. He's racing the truck series for 24 years and only has 15 wins. That's an average of 0.63 wins a year. And to even argue the case against him a little bit also, he only has eight seasons where he won a race. Only eight winning seasons. The rest are all winless. So he's had more winless seasons than winning seasons. And he hasn't won a race since 2020 back at Kansas. So another thing also is how much do you value the truck series? If you don't really value the truck series as much as Xfinity or couple, definitely not cup. But if you really don't put that much value in the truck series, then Matt Crafton, he may not suit your cup of tea. You know, I was having a conversation with one of my friends and he mentioned that if you want to make at least a hall of fame driving in Xfinity or trucks, you need to be the best of the best in that series. And yes, Crafton has three truck titles, but only 15 wins in 24 years. Can you really say that he's the best of the best? You probably could, but it's very debatable. I'd say more debatable than the seven-time champ debate, easily. But three-time champ, 15 wins, he deserves a spot. I'd probably put him closer than Austin Dillon personally, just because he has more championships. He is a mainstay in the series. So, Matt Crafton is number two on my list. Number three, I'm going to give it to Clint Boyer. Ten cup wins in his career. Finished second in points back in 2012. His best finish in the points. Never won a cup title. But he did win the Xfinity Series Championship back in 2008. Back when it was known as the Nationwide Series. He has 21 career national wins. Obviously, I mentioned the 10 in Cup, but he also has 8 in Xfinity and 3 in the Truck Series as well. So, Clint Boyer has one more win than Austin Dillon, albeit with one less championship. But the problem with Boyer is Boyer just feels very average. You know, you think, okay, 10 wins isn't really that great, but he's only one of like 60 drivers to even win double-digit Cup races. He's in the top 60 all-time in wins, but he also has no crown jewels. But he's also an NASCAR champion. 
out of the three I mentioned so far, Boyer is probably, in my opinion, the most shoo-in because he had most of its success in the Cup Series. He does have a national title to back him up. So, Boyer, I'd probably rank him in the 60s, probably. Probably 65th, no higher than that. But Clint Boyer, 10 Cup wins, 2008 Xfinity champ. He's number three on my list. Number four on my list, I'm going to give it to the back-to-back Daytona 500 champ, and that is Sterling Marlin. And look, Sterling Marlin, he's another driver. Very similar to Clint Boyer. Both of them have 10 cup wins apiece. Uh, Sterling Marlin only has two Xfinity wins, no championships, so Boyer has the edge on him there. 12 national wins for Marlin compared to Boyer's 21. But... Sterling Marlin won the Rookie of the Year in the Cup Series back in 1983. He's the 1994 and 1995 Daytona 500 champ. He was the only driver to win back-to-back 500s until Denny Hamlin did it back in 2019 and 2020. He also won the 1996 Winston 500 back when Talladega had a crown jewel event. And and I'd say Sterling Marlin was a little more consistent in terms of being a championship contender than Boyer. He does have a third-place finish in the points in 1995 and 2001. And had he not had that injury at the end of the year, Marlon probably would have been the 2002 NASCAR Cup Series champion. But same thing with Marlon. Ten wins, slew of accolades under his belt. Again, top 60 or 65 all-time in wins. He's probably going to be in there. I'd probably put him in between Clint Boyer and Austin Dillon for the time being. Or maybe behind Austin Dillon because Austin Dillon does have a couple more championships. But again, again, how much do you value the lower series? What would you take? A truck champion and Xfinity Series championship or 10 cup wins with no championship? That's up for you to decide. I'm going to lean a little more towards the cup wins just because, well, the cup series is the most, is the highest level of American stock car racing. But I wanted to put Sterling Marlin on this list and here he is at number four which means there's only one driver left to talk about. And look, this is a driver that even I struggle a bit, whether I should include him or not on this list, but simply because NASCAR now owns ARCA, they might take the history into account just because now it's part of the fold. We'll wait and see as we get closer to the last couple 75 drivers. But if you guys got a little bit of a guess based on me talking about ARCA, Number five on my list is Frank Kimmel, the 10-time ARCA champ, really the only motorsports driver to break motorsports in terms of cars, not talking about bikes, by the way. But 10 ARCA championships, including seven in a row, 2000, 2001, 2002, 03, 04, 05, 06, 07. I believe it's actually eight in a row, so even more impressive. And then he won his first back in 1998, and he won it again in 2013. 10 championships, easily the most all-time in the Arkham Menard series. 80 wins, easily the most. 45 poles, easily the most. When you think of Arca, you think of Frank Kimmel. He dominated that circuit. Now, he didn't have a lot of really top national series success in NASCAR. Only ran seven races across four years in the Cup Series. From 1998 to 2002, never ran a full season. Same thing with Xfinity, only made a one-off. He did make a couple more truck starts, but only 14 across 10 years, and he only managed to get two top 10s in those 14 starts. So that might be one thing that holds Frank Kimmel back. 
is his lack of success and are they going to take into account the arca success when this was at a time when nascar did not own arca remember nascar has only owned arca since 2018 so everything before then are they going to take that into account and you might even talk about again going back to if you don't have the cup success you need to dominate the lower series well like mike stefanik dominated modifieds frank kimmel dominated arca i mean the stats speak for themselves like i read earlier so i'm going to think that they are going to take the previous arca stats when nascar didn't own arca into account and if they do i mean if frank kimmel doesn't make it it's just a crime someone needs to be arrested so number five on my list i'm giving it to the 10-time arca champ frank kimmel So that's going to do it for this episode here. Again, a little bit more of a fun episode, kind of laid back, not a lot of topics, just something fun, you know, NASCAR in their 75th season. So I wanted to play along with their, you know, their 75th festivities, if you will. But that'll do it for this episode. Make sure you like, subscribe, and follow the Motorsport Ministry on Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Amazon. I'd say Anchor, but Anchor is pretty much Spotify at this point, so. Got to add that one. Got to remove that from the outro script. Let's just say that. But follow us on social media as well. At Motor Minister on Twitter and TikTok. We're getting very active back once again on social medias. I added some things on TikTok. You know, some things for the episodes. You know, some what I do for my broadcast. So just go check it out. We got some great content over there. But listen, once again, you guys, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you. And we'll see you in the next episode.